0: With you, It's another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking about the five-game winning streak for the Iowa basketball team. Biz, when we last conversed here on the podcast, we were talking about a losing streak, a, a ugly, ugly stretch on the road. We helped break the streak, or stat boy, or somebody did, and since then, Iowa continues to play good basketball. Five straight victories for the Hawks.
1: Yeah, maybe we shouldn't be uh, doing this podcast, Jim. Maybe we should have uh, just we exercised the demons, and maybe uh, we should have uh, had a podcast boycott, uh, a podcast shutdown until the Hawks lose again, because uh, clearly we are the, the sole reason the Hawks have played good basketball the last two and a half weeks.
0: Well, I, I would have to say if that's the case and uh, happening tomorrow when Iowa gets Michigan State coming in, if Iowa loses again to Michigan State I don't think people could really blame us for that. We've seen that plenty of time throughout the years.
1: Yeah, it's uh, become common. But um, I will say, usually we give Michigan State a pretty darn good effort when they come to Carver, even even some really bad Iowa teams. I remember the, the Whiplier years, they shockingly won the game against Michigan State. I think the score was something in the 30s. But uh, we usually give a much better effort when they come to Carver than we than we do when we go to the Breslin Center so. And uh, certainly, all indications over the last two and a half weeks are that we're uh, we are a much much better team than the last time we uh, we played them. But I think everybody is in agreement that it's going to take a, a heck of an effort by us to beat Michigan State because they are a uh, really good basketball
0: team. That they are, and uh, yes, you're referring to the 43-36 victory in year number one of Todd Lickliter.
1: 43-36. That that's just embarrassing.
0: If it's 43-36 at the half and, and within seven, I, I'm feeling pretty good about the Hawks coming up in, in that one tomorrow. And, you know, you, you go through and you mentioned, you know, just historically what I was been able to do. They've lost a couple of tight one possession games here over the last couple of seasons, including last year. Went down to the wire, 96-93 in that one. They were a 10-point dog there. Lost, uh, what, uh, they, they beat them the year previous. So, yeah, they, they've they played well against this team at home. It has been different than the Breslin Center throughout the years and at least gives us a little bit of hope. But before we get into that biz, let's take a look back at what we've seen out of this Iowa team. Certainly a lot of different avenues to go, road victories, doing it without Tyler Cook a couple of different times, Luca Garza bouncing back in a big way, on and on and on. Certainly a lot of different directions during this five-game winning streak and a lot of different guys able to step up.
1: The thing that's been most impressive to me is you touched on it a little bit, but just their ability to to fight through some adversity. I think you and I have always been kind of frustrated that Fran's teams haven't always been the uh, the mentally toughest units, and when things go bad, they they tend to uh, go really bad. But uh, you know, this is a team that was zero and three in the Big Ten, and it certainly could have uh, went in that direction, but. Uh, they they fought through a variety of adversity over the last two and a half games. Like you said, they they went on the road and won twice without their best player. You know they had to come from behind a couple of games. You know they had to close out some close games, which has been something we've struggled at in the past. Um, you know, and the most impressive thing to me is, is is that it's come from just a variety of different sources. I mean, this is a team that uh, obviously we need Tyler Cook, but as we've shown, we can win without him. You know, we've had games where you know, J-Bo has done absolutely nothing. We've had games when J-Bo has been on fire. You know, Garza's had up and down. Uh, really the only constant throughout all this has been uh, the freshman, Joe Wieskamp. I mean, he's been the one guy that I think he scored double digits in all five, and I think he's the only person to do that. But, uh, you know, we've got a variety of different ways we can beat you, and we've shown that over the last five games. We have uh, obviously shot lights out against Illinois, but on the flip side we had a couple games where you know we were, what, four for 18 on threes and back-to-back games against Northwestern and Ohio State, and uh, won them both. And that's, you know, I think that that's a sign of a good team. And you can battle through adversity in a variety of different ways and find some wins when you're not playing, uh, you know, as well as you can. But, but boy, the Illinois game was fun because that showed just how good this team can be when uh, when they're clicking on
0: all cylinders. Well, and another factor, and one of the guys that that I want to spotlight is Isaiah Moss, and this is a guy that has been frustrating to watch many times throughout his career. The inconsistent aspect of it, he goes out, he'll score 20 and a half, and then he won't show up for a couple of games. And remember, even last season, there were a couple of times where he played single digits as a starter minutes in a game, something you just you don't see at any level of college basketball, but that was a case with Isaiah Moss. He's been more engaged in his ability to impact games in different ways. Another big aspect for Isaiah Moss, his assist numbers are way up. During this five-game winning streak, 17 assists against only two turnovers. He's had games where he hasn't shot it well. He had double-digit rebounds against Nebraska. It feels like the game is coming to him a lot more, and he is impacting the game in a myriad of different ways. And to have that guy, a guy that has some athleticism, some quickness, locked in on the defensive end, we've talked about Isaiah Moss before, but I think it bears mentioning too, he is a big difference maker for this team in my mind between being a team that can get into the tournament, maybe win a game, making that next step. I think Isaiah Moss would be a big, big factor in that.
1: Well, anybody that's listened to us with any regularity knows, Trent, that when we've talked about Isaiah Moss, it's generally been me uh, being critical of him. And, and certainly uh, he's proved me wrong over the last couple of weeks because he has done some things I didn't think he was capable of doing. I, I didn't think there was a chance he would ever get 10 rebounds in the game, and, and he did that. And, you know, I didn't think he would ever be somebody that would be, you know, have an assist to turnover ratio of what, what you say, 17 to 2. I mean, that's he's taking care of the basketball. He's doing the things that uh, – have always drove me nuts about him, and you know the odd thing is you know, the other story with him the last couple of games is that, that Fran has benched him a couple of times for for reasons that are, are are unknown to me. I mean, usually when you bench him, it's because he's shown a lack of effort. I haven't seen that in either games, and you know, both of the last two games he sat out uh, more than ten minute stretches, and, and I, I don't know if it was just because there was a hot hand on the floor or what the deal is, but it certainly didn't seem like it was due to anything Moss did.
0: Yeah, and, and I know going back to the Penn State game a, a week ago, that was one of the things he said. He decided, Fran decided just to go with the, the guys that had kind of that big comeback and get them back in the game. He decided to rely on them. He said he should have played them more, but didn't. That's the one thing, though, with Fran. He, he goes to that quite a bit, doesn't he? I should have got back to that guy. He never did. Isn't that your job? Isn't your job is to, to understand how to divvy up these minutes?
1: Did you see the video of uh, um – there's a guy that for the Rams. His sole job is to be the uh, the get back coach.
0: I did for yeah. uh,
1: Sean McVay. His job is just to grab McVay so he doesn't get any uh, penalties. Maybe we just need to have a, uh, a put him back in coach for Fran. Someone someone to just gently remind him that. Oh, oh, by the way, you've got a guy on the bench over here that you forgot about. So, but I, you know, it's funny because Fran sometimes can almost be too honest with the media because that's probably not something you need to share with the media that you uh, you casually forgot that you're shooting garbage sitting on the bench.
0: So as we uh, go through here, this stretch of five consecutive victories, two of them on the road, and uh, the fun one against Illinois, you go through. Now, Nebraska is a talented team. I don't know how good of an actual basketball team they are, and I know there's a lot of questions. To our neighbors to the West, asking what kind of coach Tim Miles actually is with the talent that he has on hand, but it's not exactly the who's who of college basketball. Nebraska win nice, Ohio State okay, Northwestern Penn State, Illinois, none of those teams are gonna be playing in the big dance. These next four games, it's a big step up in competition.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. But we we've kinda of talked about it all year breaking the uh you know, breaking the Big Ten season in into quadrants and, and we talked last time here, you know, how if we could get four out of five we'd be happy and if even three out of five we thought it would be okay. And I don't think either one of us realistically thought we'd be looking at a five game winning streak. Mm-hmm. I mean you're right, Northwestern and Penn State and Illinois are certainly not world beaters, but the big ten is is a grind this year, and I bet by the end of the year, there's only going to be a handful of teams that are going to to say they had a five game winning streak at some point, so i you know I, the last thing I'm going to do is go back and look and say, well, maybe the, the schedule was 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 weak because we're we're paying for it over the next two weeks it It, it flips and we have some tough wins in there, so uh they have nothing to apologize for winning five
0: in a row. No, not at all, and you're right. You know, we kind of, when you're breaking this one down and you're finding the victories and you're, well, if you can steal one of those road games and if you can hold serve at home or if you lose one, have it only be the Nebraska one, something like that, you walk away at 3-2. and two. Here they are at 5-0, and oh, and an opportunity suddenly with those road games maybe looking more winnable than they did. Minnesota took Michigan to the wire last night, get that, but that one at least is in that 50-50 proposition. Same thing with the road trip to Indiana, looking a lot easier than it did maybe 3 4 weeks ago and then the home games Michigan State and Michigan we'll get into that a little bit more but it's a four game stretch that's difficult but it's not overly daunting it's not impossible which maybe it could have felt before the year
1: well i think you're seeing a little bit you know last year with Iowa you know everybody came into the year thinking Iowa was going to be you know a middle of the road or top tier to team and then once things went south you know, they really went south. I think you're going to see that with a couple teams this year. And you mentioned Minnesota and Indiana. They seem like two teams that are kind of uh, teetering on the edge of falling apart. And I think we're we're probably catching them at the right time here because neither of those teams are playing very well right now. And, you know, I think their seasons in the next couple weeks are going to go one way or the other. They're either going to turn it around and be the team that people thought they were going to be or they're going to go in the tank. So hopefully we can... Uh, we can help both of them uh, steer them in the, in the uh, direction of the tank.
0: Well, I know you had Stat Boy hard at work this week, Biz, as you were uh, bringing him and having a look at winning streaks in the Big Ten. Iowa with five straight in the Big Ten, something you felt like throughout the years has probably happened a timer or, or two here during the Fran era, maybe a little bit more than that. You had Stat Boy dig into it. What did he find for us this week?
1: Oh, it's a long, cold winter, so stat boy was getting anxious after we hadn't had a a podcast in a while. So as usual, I gave him a relatively basic assignment, and he, uh, he ran with it and got us a lot of good information. So here's the assignment, Trent. I wanted to find out how many times in the past 40 years, going back to basically the last time we won the Big Ten, how many times have we had a five-game winning streak Uh, The caveat is it has to be the regular season only, so not the years that we ran the table uh, in the Big Ten championship, and it has to be in the same year. It can't be three in one year and then two in the other. So uh, you want to take a crack at how many times in the last 40 years we've had a five-game regular season uh, Big Ten win streak?
0: Well, there's been plenty of good teams during that stretch. Of course, no Big Ten regular season championship teams, but I'm going to say eight times. Eight times it's happened.
1: Trent, you're clearly cheating. So you're, you're right on the right on the dot. So this is this is the ninth time. It was eight times previously. So uh either you're just blatantly cheating or you're a hell of a guesser. But well I'll, we I'll, we, I'll we give, know I'll give you the I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, I suppose.
0: We know Dumps thinks that I'm cheating here. How would I cheat? How would I that quickly come up with that guess? How how would I possibly be able to do that? Edit the podcast?
1: I just wonder. The, I wonder if you and Stat Boy are in cahoots somehow. I wonder no. if he's, he's sliding you inside info. So, but uh, that, that seems like the kind of thing Stat Boy would do. As we all know, he is a, a very shady character. So. Yeah,
0: the, the mayor would never fall victim to that. That that is not no. what's going to bring the mayor down.
1: So, no, that that is correct. So, but yes, this is the ninth time in forty years. So we're going to go through all eight, all the other eight times because there's some interesting tidbits that, that Stat Boy found in there. But uh, the alarming thing—it's happened nine times. Now in 40 years, but this is only the third time in the last 22 years, so it's been a while. So, um, so we'll go back. Hop in the time machine with me, Trump. We got to go back to the 1980-81 season for the first time. You ready to? uh, You ready to break down the previous winning streaks?
0: Well, I I had not yet reached a year of age, so my memory might be a little empty on this one.
1: Yeah, but I've got some good quiz questions for you. I think you'll be able to get a few of them. uh, the 80 team, they reeled off eight straight wins, uh, finished second in the Big Ten, um, and were a team that were led by Vince Brookings, Kenny Arnold, Arnold and Steve Craftson. Uh They got knocked out in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament by a by a Wichita State team. Wichita State had two guys that went on to be uh, pretty well-known NBA players, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't know either one of these two went to Wichita State, so if you can name either uh, early '80s Wichita State product that ends up being uh, regular NBA contributors, I'll, I'll tip my cap to you.
0: Well, I know one of them's Antoine Carr, right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Mantra, you are. A, and a, that was a long question. You clearly had time to Google that answer. <laughs>
0: my hands are off the keyboard. Uh, the second one, it's another big guy. I feel. I feel it like is? it's another big guy. And this is it, Xavier McDaniel.
1: No, that's an excellent guess. Okay. He was a little later. But, okay. Uh, All right. and, I, and I love the X-Man, by the way.
0: Oh, you, you yeah, have to. Cliff, Cliff Livingston. Ah, well, it was a big guy. I had that, at least. Yeah, yeah So, but
1: that first year, there's kind of a trend here because uh, basically what you're going to find out as you look through this is, is there's a lot of good signs to point out for, for these seasons. So we'll break it down at the end, but the trend of getting to the round of 32 is a common one, as you'll see. So that that's the first first of the eight. The second one, you don't have to jump in the time machine too far because it's the very next year. The 81-82 team, uh, similar contributors, except now now you add the legendary Steve Carfino to the mix, plus uh, a young Michael Payne joins the mix as well. So uh, same circumstances, though. Again, a team reels off eight in a row, uh, end up getting uh, tied for second in the Big Ten again, get to the round of 32, and they lose to a number three seeded, Idaho
0: Vandals.
1: Somehow the Idaho Vandals were a three-seed in the NCAA tournament that year.
0: Idaho was good?
1: Yeah, well, they were. They only lost three games all year. And uh, we lost 69-67 and a a heartbreaker.
0: That is not one where I could name any players off that Vandal roster. Well,
1: I looked, and and no, you would not be able to. If if you would name a player off it, then we would just shut the podcast down, because clearly you are cheating. Because there was not a single player I knew, but... uh, a good squad. They went like uh, twenty-eight and three.
0: Did they lose in the next round?
1: They did. They lost in the Sweet Sixteen to uh, somebody out west. I can't remember. I think it was USC or UCLA. Wanted gotcha. to. So because that's the other trend is uh, it's amazing how many times we get sent out west. We're we're out west a lot in the NCAA tournament. So number three Trent, You jump ahead a few years. Um, this is probably the uh, the weakest of the eight teams. To win five in a row, this is a team that ended ten and eight in the Big Ten. Um, the only team of the of the other eight, of the eight times that did not make it to the round of thirty two, because this was a team that lost. They did make the NCAA tournament. They lost in the eight nine game to the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas was led by a, a, a tall white guy who went on to a, to play in the NBA as well. Any idea who that
0: tall white man would be? The tall white guy from Arkansas.
1: Yep, mid-80s. Bill Clinton. <laughs> that, that's a good guess, but I don't believe he led their team.
0: So. Okay, then I have no uh, idea.
1: Joe Klein. Oh, Joe, Joe Klein. Klein. Not... Played for the yeah. Hawks, right? So Yeah, it, a long time Atlanta Hawks. So. But uh, the 80 team had a lot of good names on the team, but but uh, not a great uh, overall result. They had uh, Greg Stokes, Michael Payne, your man Jeff Moe, mm-hmm. uh, Sir Jamalot, Um for whatever reason, I did not realize this, Trent, but Michael Payne uh, had just a terrible senior year. I have no idea why. He was a regular contributor, averaged double digits his uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior years. As a senior, he barely averaged seven points a game, and I looked. He, he appeared to be healthy. He played the whole year and just did not have a good senior year. So, Not sure why, but uh, that was something that jumped out to me in looking at the Michael Payne uh and ended his career with a
0: whimper. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that in the Twin Towers from back in the day. Again, this is a little bit before my memories of watching every game, and, and that's something that I remember hearing people talk about and, and just what happened to him and Michael Payne. It was what I remember hearing back then was more he was a guy that never developed, and he was kind of that guy that came onto the scene, much like we saw Guy Rucker, who seemingly was better as a freshman than he was as a, a well, junior for Guy Rucker. Same thing kind of happened for Michael Payne.
1: I don't like you bad, Mouth, and life is a G like that, Trent.
0: Hey, life uh, so. is a G when he was playing with Dre Wool- Woolridge, the best player in Nebraska history, by the way. That shows you, uh, yeah, he, he was a lot better player when he had Andre Woolridge next to him.
1: Well, and be patient, Trent. That, the Andre Woolridge year is coming. You know? and okay. we I was right. going to uh, throw in the, the uh, Woolridge discussion, so be patient. We'll get to that in time. So, Year number four, we can zip through it pretty quick because uh, the fourth was the immortal eighty-six, eighty-seven team? Mm-hmm. Uh, they won their first six Big Ten games on their way to eighteen and zero. Don't need to to go down the memory lane too much because everybody knows how that season ended uh, with heartbreak in the Elite Eight. So, uh, too painful of to a memory to discuss. So let's just move on from that year.
0: That sounds good. We can save that uh, when the Hawks get bit in the Elite Eight this year. How's that sound? Yeah,
1: exactly. That'd be a good okay. problem to yep. have. So. So number five, you got to jump into the nineties, and this is where the years start to become a lot more scarce. So, ninety-two, um, ninety-three team. Uh, this is the Chris Street year where, when he has uh, the tragedy. Uh, but that team won five straight, went eleven and seven, got third in the Big Ten, as we all know, led by A.C. Earl and Val Barnes. Uh, went to the NCAA tournament, made it to the round of thirty-two. Lost to Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Your quiz question, Trent, can you name both parts of the dynamic duo that led Wake Forest that
0: year? Of course, Roddy Rogers and, uh... oh, what was the guard's name? Uh, your, your
1: arrogance gets you. You start off by saying, of course, <laughs> and then can't get the answer.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't know it was going to be a two-part question. I thought it was just going to be Roddy Rogers. Childress? Well, Roddy Rogers is correct. Childress, is that his name? Rand- Randolph Childress, Randolph. you are correct. So, Bam. I knew I'd get it. Yeah. ACC basketball yeah, so. in the early to mid-90s, that was all about.
1: That was one of the few years we got sent out east. We were actually in the uh, southeast bracket that year, they called it, but uh, not out west that
0: year. So. Didn't have to play Duke in the second round either. Here's Wake Forest no. instead.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we played, a, uh, I think it was a 4-5 game, we, uh, yeah. 84-78. So, um, the, year, the game before that was the most important one, though, because we beat uh, East Tennessee State, which was led by...
0: Tiny something or other. Sir? we talked about it. Mr. Jennings. Mr. Jennings. That wasn't that year, though, was it?
1: I believe so. Maybe, I, maybe I've combined. I think you're combining years. My
0: now, that was... I, I, I think that was a year or two later when uh, when Mr. Rogers was there.
1: I don't think... No, it was Mr. I, I think it was Mr. Jennings before. We'll double-check it. Stat, yes.
0: Boy, Stat Boy can confirm it and, and re- notify
1: us on Twitter. Okay. I only jotted down the lake Forest game when, That'll he, be when he sent it to me. So... Number six, Trent, this is the Andre Ward's team. The 96-97 team, um, basically it was Andre Ward's carried us throughout the year, started the Big Ten year 5-0 and 0 that year, ended 12-6, and six, second in the Big Ten. Somehow, through all of that, we got screwed and only got an eight seed. So, of course, we uh, ran up against number one, Kentucky, in the round of 32, and uh, Woolridge could only take us so far. He gave us a hell of an effort, and... Fell short against the uh, the number one Wildcats, but uh, we we could spend an entire podcast talking about uh, Andre Ward's getting screwed out of the Big Ten Player of the Year. But instead, we'll talk about the uh, him being the number one Nebraska player of all time. So you, I'll let you explain to our listeners uh, what happened with the uh, him being voted number one.
0: Well, longtime listeners of this podcast certainly understand that our buddy Stat Boy has a lot of free time, uh, likes to to make endeavors deep into things, and somehow, some way. He found a poll online that was linking, or ranking, I guess, the best basketball players in Nebraska history. And at the time, when I first saw it, no surprise, Eric Piakowski was number one, the Polish Rifleman. A couple other names on there, certainly some more recent names that were up there on that list. And, well, he said it to us, and we all started uh, jumping aboard. Andre Woolridge was, what, probably about 20th at the time in this ranking list, and we decided uh, we were going to help move him up and become the number one player in Nebraska basketball history.
1: Well, and the best thing about the whole thing is that each of the, the uh, players have a little photograph beside them, and whoever just created the poll uh, clearly didn't put much effort into it because it's uh, Andre Ward's number one player in Nebraska history wearing a uh, an Iowa uniform. So, <laughs> so Make sure all of our listeners, uh, Statboy can send that out as well. We need to make sure he stays as number one because uh, – it's alarming. I did not realize until you look into Nebraska's history, they are the only Power 5 team that has never won an NCAA basketball game. That is astounding.
0: One of my all-time favorite stats to pull out, and it's, uh, yeah, it's always a good one to have, in your back pocket is that, because it's unthinkable. I, it, look, they, they weren't great, I get that, but come on, never win an NCAA tournament game. Hawkeye fans, would get frustrated, just realize how bad it is out there.
1: Yeah, but uh, that that could change this year. They, they've got a decent team. They're going to make the tourney, and if they get the right draw, that, that that might change. But let's hope it doesn't.
0: Let's hope that's the case. So we got through. Uh, what was that ninety ninety seven or so? Yeah.
1: So it, then you got to jump. You got to jump almost two decades before it happens again. Ooh. So a lot of decent teams in the late nineties and early two thousands, and then uh, as we all know, the cupboard was bare there for a few years, but. Uh, Fran brought us back, and it wasn't until 2014, 2015 that we had another five-game winning streak. Uh, that was the year we won the last six Big Ten games of that year, uh, made it into the tourney, um, knocked off Davidson, and then got destroyed by Gonzaga. But another 12-and-6 team, another third-place team, um, and, and a heck of a finish to that year. And then we'll combine the next, uh, the last two, Trent, because then the next year, the 15-16 team, we won seven straight to start the Big Ten. So, almost exactly three years ago, Trent, we were talking about an Iowa team that had won 13 straight Big Ten games. So, uh, I know it seems like it's been a frustrating couple of years for Iowa basketball, but it hasn't been that far since that long ago that we were uh, a true contender because both those teams finished 12-6 and six and third in the Big Ten. So, uh, yeah, we've had some speed bumps over the last couple of years, but... Uh, not as far, you know, it hasn't been as uh, long of a drought as you'd think.
0: Yeah, we, uh, in fact, almost served three years ago to the day that I was ranked number three in the country. And then the Fran February fade came, and, well, we know what happened after that.
1: Well, that's not happening this year. We, we, that was part of our uh, exorcism. We, oh, wait, We what's? exercised the road. Okay. We'll, we'll, we combined that into a dual exorcism trend. So.
0: Good, good. I, I, I never know that you were uh, a priest and able to do that. Good work out of you.
1: No, yeah, well, yeah. so yeah, a lot of things that surprise you about me, Trent. multi You spend enough time with me over the years to know that I, I'm probably banned from the priesthood. I believe.
0: <laughs> I believe that's correct. I believe that's correct. So five-game winning streak. Does it get to six? Well, so let's before we think if
1: we get to six, I want quickly to summarize this, Trent, because uh, I've got great news to share with everyone. Ooh. This season is going to end. Uh, End well, if you look at the history, the other eight times that uh, we had a five-game winning streak over the last 40 years, all of those teams finished with at least 10 or more conference wins. In fact, 75% of them, six out of the eight, finished with 12 or more conference wins. All of them got fifth or or better in the Big Ten, and 87.5%, or seven out of eight of them, got third or better in the Big Ten, All of them made the NCAA tournament, and seven out of eight of them made the round of 32. So uh, you can lock it up, Trent. We're looking at a a double-digit Big Ten win season and a uh, round of 32 uh, at worst for the Hawks.
0: Let's hope that's happening right here in Des Moines and we would be able to watch the Hawkeyes at Wells Fargo Arena and maybe have a shot if they're a seven-seed or something like that against the two-seed as opposed to the last two times that's happened against Villanova and Gonzaga.
1: Yeah, that'd be be ideal. but uh, basically it looks like we can just fast-forward through the rest of the regular season and, and jump right to the NCAA tournament. All, all the worrying, we don't have to. to <laughs> history tells us we're locked.
0: History says that they're a lock. Well, if that's the case, certainly uh, it will uh, get the fan base back excited, but Biz, as, as you look to tomorrow, there's still 2,000 tickets. I, I get it. Weather's crappy. People here in central Iowa trying to get over there, it's difficult, but 2,000 tickets still available? What's going on?
1: I don't know. We we have this talk annually, you and I do on this, and I, I've given up trying to figure out the uh, the Iowa fan base. I, mean, I, I get it. I get it's difficult to get there, but this is uh, there's no reason there should be 2,000 empty seats. But really, to me, there's only one part of the fan base that really matters. There's absolutely no reason we shouldn't have a uh, 100% full student section tomorrow night. You're uh, you just got back to school. You've had nothing to do this week because the weather's crappy it's a six o'clock game on a Thursday, uh, go have a few cocktails beforehand and then get over to Carver and cheer like crazy. Cause you know, 13,000 with the full student section will be a heck of a lot louder than 15,000 or you know, 15,000, but only half a student section full. So, uh, I can live with the old people not being there cause they don't cheer that loud to begin with. But, uh, let's get a full and crazy student section for once, because if, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, it's never going to happen.
0: Well, and, Biz, you've said multiple times before, you know, the the non-student population is fine. You know, there's loud people, there's old people that sit down, but it's fine, and they're usually pretty good, but it's the students, and when there's hundreds and thousands of open seats there in the student section, it, it plays a factor here, and they're doing everything possible. They're They're giving away free tickets to the students. They're having extra buses running around campus trying to get people there to Carver. You're right. No excuse here. Show up, be loud, and give Iowa a shot here because as bad as it looked here a month ago against Michigan State, they can beat Michigan State. We've seen this before. They can do it. They've done it. Worse Iowa teams than this one, I think it beat better Michigan State teams than the one we're going to see tomorrow night.
1: Well, and we're wearing the gray uniforms, I see tomorrow, Trent. So oh, basically uh, it, It's basically a sealed deal anyway. But uh, it'd be nice to have a loud crowd there to watch watch the uh, assumed victory because, as we all know, we never lose in the gray, gray
0: nope. uniforms. Undefeated in them, and uh, saw them for the first time against UConn. They pulled them out, what, one other time since then or two other times since then? Regardless, they haven't lost in the grays. Uh, another thing, the opening point spread is out, Iowa, A five and a half point dog. This is a degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. You know I'll be firing at this. If you had to make a bet, where you'd be with the Hawks and uh, the Spartans?
1: I like the Hawks at five and a half. I I I don't have a great feeling that we're going to win this game. I think when it comes down to it, Michigan State is is just a better team than us. And I mean, we've had a good run, but we've got our flaws don't match very well with their strengths. I mean, Cassius Winston is exactly the type of player that. Gives us fits, and I think he will uh, do exactly that tomorrow night. But Langford's hurt. Um, You know, I think we will come out and give a really, really good effort. I think we'll keep it close. So um, given that, I think if you're going to give the the hot home team five-and-a-half points, I'll take it.
0: I'm right there with you. I'm going to dabble on the money line a little bit here. Going to make a play there. I think Iowa plays well. I think they played inspired, and I think this is – be going to be a game that comes down to the final four minutes, and whoever makes plays. And you said Langford's not going to play in this one. Hey, Matt McQuaid, I know he can knock down shots. I would rather see Matt McQuaid out there as opposed to Josh Langford.
1: Well, we usually, you know, we usually do a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, I, I'm more concerned. I don't see them beating us at three point line. I'm more concerned. I mean. Obviously, with Michigan State, I mean, there was absolutely no resistance. I mean, they could basically just get the ball to the post and score whenever they want. Yeah, it was word, cer- word going, yeah. I mean, I would certainly hope we put that video on and shown it to Luca Garza and Tyler Cook mm-hmm. and and said, uh, this can't happen again. Yeah. I mean, and I hope we uh, we should come out angry because that was not – I mean, it happens to everybody at the Breslin Center. I mean, things go south. I mean, they really go south mm-hmm. there. and. But uh, I hope we have used that to motivate our post players because uh, in most games this year, we have had a uh, advantage in, in the post. And Against Michigan State, we certainly did not. But I, don't, I don't see a reason why we can't uh, at least uh, neutralize their posts or, or slow them down better than we did uh, in round one.
0: I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a, a good effort in that one, even if it doesn't go for the Hawks, so even if they don't get the victory, Big picture here over this next four. It's Michigan State tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, then a road trip up to the barn to take on Little Ricky's Gophers. Back home next Friday for Michigan and a road trip by the following Thursday to Indiana. Two road, two home. You get the two best teams in the Big Ten coming into your own building. If I gave you two and two right now, would you sign up for that?
1: Absolutely. And I honestly think that's how it's going to play out as well. I think we'll find a way to win one of the two games at home, and I think we'll find a way to win one one of the two on the road. So, you know, two and two to me is uh, attainable, and I think it's uh, what's going to happen. But uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I mean, you get through Michigan State, you know, all bets are off. I mean, because those next three teams. Minnesota, Michigan, Indiana—none of them are playing their best basketball right now. Michigan, for as great a team as they are, almost lost at home to uh, to the Gophers last night, and they've—you uh, know—they haven't exactly uh, been world beaters the last few weeks. So we're, we're catching those teams at the right time, but uh, I think clearly the best of the four is Michigan State. So you, you get through that game tomorrow night, uh, you never know. Maybe maybe we're talking about a nine-game winning streak uh, next time you and I get together.
0: Well, if that's the case, then uh, the well, the prediction that you had two years ago on this very podcast might be coming to a fruition. If you remember speaking of going in the way back machine, you predicted that I will win the the two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen Big Ten regular season title.
1: I-, I wasn't gonna bring that up until we actually uh, had <laughs> at least a glimmer of hope at it that uh, uh- for for the most of the last two years that seemed like an absolutely absurd prediction but yes. at least at least now when you say it it doesn't make me uh, laugh out loud.
0: Catching Michigan State's going to be incredibly difficult. And what's the best case scenario for Iowa? 14 and 6. Could they get to 15 and 5? What everything comes together? What do you think is the best case?
1: Well, best case scenario is obviously 17 3. Okay, all right. <laughs> But uh, realistic, uh, I'd say 14-6. and six. I mean, yeah. the Big Ten's just too tough this year to think that we're going to get through, you know, another 12 games without losing at least three of them. I mean, I, I think even if we play lights-out basketball, we're going to lose at least three more games. So, and you know, because obviously we've seen this team can be a really good basketball team, but there's still some clear flaws on this team. They're, they're by no means a uh, a juggernaut. And uh, if they can get through it, uh, hell, they can get through it 12-8. and That is is a heck of a year considering uh, starting 0-3 and and, and the the gauntlet that is the Big Ten this year.
0: Well, Biz, that is basketball. Over to football of the NFL variety. Earlier today on my radio program, had an opportunity to talk with Austin Blythe, starting guard for the NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. You are one of the few Rams fans I know in my life, my stepdad, huge Rams fan, and now apparently, my daughter, also a Rams fan, I gave you shot you a picture of her wearing her Todd Gurley t shirt jersey. She was all pumped up, and uh, Grandpa called her and said, "We're going to the Super Bowl." She had no idea what that meant. But there's three of you uh, people in my life. How, how, as a Rams fan, how did you walk away from the game Sunday? Well,
1: well first of all, apparently, your daughter jinxed Todd Gurley because uh, <laughs> she, she's worn the <laughs>
0: shirt before. She's wore, she's worn it she's worn it the last few games, so you can't blame her for that.
1: Kind of like on the wedding singer when he uh, tells his his ex fiance to take off the Van Halen shirt yeah. before he uh, <laughs> jinxes the band. Maybe Ella should take off the Todd Gurley shirt and not wear that for the Super Bowl, Trent. So,
0: they won. They won. They, they
1: did. They did. But yeah. But not. But no thanks to Todd Gurley.
0: So, no. You know,
1: as a Rams fan, Trent, twelve year old me would have been just beyond giddy by uh, them going to the Super Bowl. Forty uh, two year old me is. Uh, happy that they're going, but I am 10 times more excited and 10 times happier by the Iowa basketball team winning five straight games. So I think what it's shown to me more than anything is just how little I truly care about the NFL anymore. I mean, I, I enjoy watching the games and uh, they're certainly entertaining and both games. Uh, certainly had their controversy and they're, they're fun to watch, but uh, when it comes down to it, uh, I, would trade, uh, I would trade a Rams NFL Super Bowl uh, title for for even a Big Ten football championship that for the Hawks would be i I'd be much happier with that. So happy that they're there. Not real optimistic they're going to do well. I think you give Belichick two weeks against uh, kind of a gimmicky offense. He'll figure out how to stop it. And I, I don't I don't see it ending well for them. But I'm happy that uh, happy to at least have a rooting interest. I guess come uh, come next Sunday.
0: Well, I I believe we watched the last Rams uh, Super Bowl championship together. At, we did. At, at Boner's the, Bar. Yeah.
1: We did at the uh, good old, uh, what was it, Chauncey's at the time. Chauncey's, not, it yeah. 17 different names, but I believe it was Chauncey's at the time. So, Which I believe all I remember about that is that we were at the bar for like six hours, and our final bill for a group of 24 was like $42. <laughs> so uh, it's shocking that our friend did not continue to be the uh, the manager of that bar. But uh, uh. his business practices did not, were not uh, meant for long-term success.
0: 23 16 down to the wire, and uh, a final tackle at the one yard line over the Titans. That was a long time ago. That was, uh, well, it was 20 years ago, right? That that happened. Yeah. And uh, here we are today. Biz, I, I kind of agree with you. I I like New England in this spot, and reading a lot of kind of gambling parts of it and people jumping aboard. Though, speaking of Todd Gurley, I did grab him 12 to 1. I got him at for MVP. It's a long shot. Quarterbacks normally win that award. Now, I do believe the Patriots are going to win. I just thought the price was too good, though, at 12-1 to 1, to say no to Todd Gurley winning the MVP.
1: Only, only a true degenerate gambler would take a guy who I believe touched the ball three times and, and dropped two plays a game before and be like, yep, that's a, that's a value buy for the MVP.
0: That's me. That, and uh, Next week we'll, we'll dig a little deeper, and I'll give you some more prop bets that I'll be firing at. Though it won't be, I don't think I got a Gatorade pick on this one. Coin flip pick. Eh, you got to stay away from. Uh, I'll bet that. Who am I kidding? I'll be betting a whole lot more. We'll uh, we'll blow it out next week with some some prop bets for the degenerate Hawkeyes out there.
1: Uh, Stat my loves his prop bet, so I'll put him on the assignment for finding us some truly obscure ones.
0: All right, with that, it is about time to get out of here. But before we do, time for another edition of Business Beat. Hey kids, gather around for Business Beat of the day. Okay, here's business beat of the day
1: this week's uh, business beat uh, is an ode to the uh the potential greatness of joey's camp uh, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier but uh we i believe clearly has an opportunity to become uh an all-time great at the university of iowa i, I know uh that's, that's uh, jumping the gun a little bit for a guy who's only played you know 20 games or less in his career but uh he shows glimpses of being an absolute true star. And uh, when you look at his start and what he's done through 20 games, he is certainly uh, on track with the the all-time uh, leading scorer of Iowa history. Uh, Roy Marbles, his freshman year, averaged 12 points and, four and a half, 4.9 rebounds a game. Camp, uh, right now is averaging 11.9 and 5 rebounds per game. And... I think most people would laugh when I say that uh, he has an opportunity to be the all time leading scorer by the time he leaves here. But when you look at Roy's numbers over the next three years, I think all three years are certainly numbers that you would not be shocked if leave camp ended with. Because uh, Marble's sophomore year, he averaged 14.9. His junior year, he averaged 15.4. And his senior year, he averaged 20.5. If I told you that those were the numbers that Wieskamp averaged over the next three years, mm-hmm. would, you, uh, would you be shocked by any of those?
0: Not at all. Not at all. And I, I guess they play about the same amount of games as they did back then, so there's not going to be a huge difference there. Maybe is going to take, though, uh, part of that being in the NCAA tournament, making a couple of runs and getting to the second weekend. And you add those games up to it and if this becomes an NCAA tournament team. Or getting
1: past Thursday in the Big Ten tournament would be
0: helpful. That well. would help, yeah, and they didn't have that back then, so a, certainly a path for that to happen. But Wieskamp, he, he's been incredible, 6 of 6 from a three-point range in the game Sunday against Illinois, joining, and this is a great group, Jeff Horner, Val Barnes, and Jim Bartles. as the only players in Iowa history to do that.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an immortal group of, uh, I believe, are they really, all three? Trying to think, uh, uh, with, uh, now I just say only only, only horners from Iowa, isn't he? Ne- neither Mo or Bartles are from the state of Iowa. So yeah, say, oh, but because uh, Bartles is from
0: Wisconsin. County? Yep, and I Val think. Barnes was from Illinois.
1: Um, I don't remember where Barnes was. I, I, he came from a. He went to JUCO for a year. I don't remember where he came from afterwards. So, but uh, but yeah, he's he's already joined that immortal group, and and no pressure, Joe. But you're. Uh, you're on your way to becoming the all-time leading scorer in Iowa history. So, so two years ago, I made the absurd prediction that uh, the Hawks are going to be Big Ten champions. So now I'll just up the ante and make an even more absurd prediction and, and say that we're we're watching the potential uh, all-time leading scorer in Iowa history. So, and not only could he be that, but he also sounds like he's a uh, wonderful to grandmothers as well.
0: Yes, I saw that. Very good to see. Very good to see. No doubt. All right, Biz. Well, let's hope for a big one tomorrow. I, I'm sure you'll be in attendance tomorrow night at Carver. Sadly, I will not. Oh. I will be coaching.
1: I will be coaching a third grade girls basketball game instead. But uh, it, it, we start at 5:30. I'm hoping uh, I can put my earplugs in on the way home and, and catch up on on use the old fast forward button to get caught up by halftime. So. Uh, it, mm-hmm. I spent earlier complaining that people aren't going to be at the game, and then uh, I live five miles away and won't be there. But I've been to, I think, the last three home games, and and they've done well in each of them. So uh, they'll have to win this one without me.
0: Well, I will be uh, calling high school wrestling for MediaCom. I got a triangular with Van Meter, ADMA Dell, Dolls Boys, and uh, one other. I can't even remember the other team that is there. Probably should have that. Uh, information down by we uh, by the time we get to tomorrow night so i'll be watching that later in the evening and then i'll wait for all the text messages to roll through when i turn my phone back on
1: well tell tell them to use the hips Trent. just just scream that a lot hips
0: and away we go
1: if i learned anything from if i learned anything from going to osage wrestling meets that that, that's a good thing to yell it makes you sound knowledgeable
0: that's all it takes i I think i taught that to you many years ago you want to sound smart at wrestling meet yell hips And you walk away a winner. With that, we're out of here, biz. Go, Hawks. All right, go, Hawks.